You're listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast, where you'll learn step-by-step how to meet and seduce beautiful women, whether you're looking for one night of fun, a week-long fling, or a long-term relationship. I'm your host, Trip, and the episode starts now. Hello and welcome to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. On this episode, I'm interviewing another Kramer. That's right. His name is Robbie Kramer from innerconfidence.com. And what's amazing is Robbie, we just reconnected recently because he's been all over the globe, very busy doing crazy things. He's about to tell you some crazy stories. He is a, uh, I like to say the real life playboy, a guy who has traveled around the world and had experiences with many women and it gets pretty wild. And we just reconnected and he's been really back into helping guys and helping guys with confidence. He was a mentor of mine when I was just learning about how to socialize, meet women and get better with that stuff back in around 2008, 2009. And I remember I found him through a series of events that I went to and he spoke at one of them. And then I ended up running into him at a bar once when I was going out and doing approaching. And then I said, hey man, what's up? I remember I saw you spoke at this event and he's like, cool, what's your name? And I said, you know, my name and we have the same last name, even though we're not related. And we kind of bonded over that for a second. And then I asked him if I could intern for him for free because I wanted to learn more about how to meet women and get better at that. And he had a a coaching practice at the time, which he still does. And again, this was back in 2008. So this is a long time ago. So I interned for him and worked with him for a while. And it helped me really understand a little bit more about women and social dynamics. And now he's back and he reached out to me and we reconnected and it's been so fun catching up. And you're going to hear us catch up on this episode. So this is a pretty wild episode. Strap in. You're going to like this because his stories are ones of fantasy, ones that you never think are even possible for an average guy to have. He had some wild sexual experiences. He started uh, different companies, which got guys to come all around the world and do these wild extravagant parties with models and things like that. You're going to hear all about it. And most importantly, we talk about some of the lessons that he's extracted from going out and doing this, this crazy adventure, which he's been doing or was back from. He was doing it from 2012 to 2018. So you're going to hear all about that. And it's going to be very highly entertaining for you. It was entertaining for me. I wish I could have interviewed him for you know 10 hours and gotten all the nitty gritty details. But I think that this was enough to get a starting point to really understand what his life has been like and how we can learn from it in terms of his, like I said, wild adventures. I think you're going to like it. Here's my interview with Robbie Kramer from innerconfidence.com. What's up, Robbie? How you doing, man? Good, Trip. Good to uh, talk to you, man. Yes, it's good that you're finally on the podcast. Like I said earlier in the intro, you know, you, uh, you've been around for a long time and you were a mentor of mine like 10 years ago when we got started in this thing, or at least when I got started into it. And yeah, it just been, it's been a crazy journey. And, and now we're kind of back here together. And I was on your podcast or on my podcast. And I think it would just be awesome for the guys to 
hear your story and you have a pretty crazy one. I mean, it starts back when, when did this whole journey start for you? Yeah, man, when you were uh, interning for me, I had kind of just started my own business, started Inner Confidence maybe like a year before we met. So we were just kind of growing it at the time. And prior to that, probably two years before that is when I first got into this whole world. And uh, I took a bunch of workshops and seminars with some old, like, you know, very, uh, at the time, it was just like all the pickup stuff. There wasn't a lot out there when it came to like authenticity or, you know, it was, it was very much like old school, the game sort of stuff <laughs> when I got into it back in 2005, I think. So, uh, and we met, I believe in what, 2008, 2009? Yeah, just yeah, right around there. Yeah. So, yeah, at first, um, you know, I was, that was the only thing out there, all the pickup stuff. I didn't really resonate so much with that, but it, that, that was all we had. So, luckily, kind of as the industry evolved and there were a lot of uh, coaches that were talking about, you know, just being direct, being authentic, meeting women during the day, getting away from this whole, all the crazy peacocking and all the flash game nonsense from back in the day. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to have a mentor who was a really good buddy of mine, but a real natural kind of just one of these guys who lost his virginity at a really early age, which is kind of a, a thing I found with, with naturals. That's kind of typically the case. And um, he kind of saw that I was just like this approach machine. You know, I'd talk to any girl I saw day, night, whatever. Um, and we became buddies and he was like, he really understood social psychology on a deep level. So he taught me a ton of stuff that I wasn't able to find from the community or online or from any of the material that I was kind of, you know, searching for at the time. Anything you remember off the top of your head? It was a lot of social circle stuff. He was running high stakes poker games and he had a lot of beautiful women working for him. So there was that element of it. He was going out and partying and spending, you know, tons of money in nightclubs and kind of doing all the things that the pickup community frowned upon. Um, but he was doing it at such a high level, the returns were were crazy. So, you know, kind of like going out to the clubs, flying around, renting villas, inviting girls, inviting their girlfriends, having models living in a, a model house. It's just this crazy world that he was in. And he kind of showed me... And he was kind of like a mentor towards me there because I was like, wow, the, the women who are in this kind of social circle influencer world, even before like the kind of influencer, even before Instagram was around, these women were just on another level in terms of attractiveness. Obviously, there, <laughs> there were some other uh, toxic personality traits that were going on that I could get into later. It was just like the hottest of the hot girls. And at the time, you know, obviously just being a dude, I was like, wow, like, why would I kind of do anything else? Um, so I spent many years with him, like four or five years, just around models, around these you know, influencers. Was this was starting in like 2012, 13, all the way through 2018 when I got into running parties for Playboy castings and Playboy shoots and throwing parties on yachts and you know, inviting 
20 girls and five guys for a, a week long <laughs> party cruise trip. I, I tried to start a whole business around uh, the, this crazy lifestyle. So yeah, happy to go into the details, but yeah, it's, just, it's been a real wild journey. I basically went from like 2005, 2006 and went really heavily into pickup basically, and then really moved out of it from 2012 to 2018. And you know, this has been my full-time job plus my full-time hobby for the last, I don't know, 15 years. <laughs> so, uh, the rabbit hole goes pretty deep. Yeah. Wow. No, it sure does. I think what would, would be interesting would be kind of to hear, and I know this could be, you know, a five-hour, 15-hour podcast episode. So we'll need to kind of, you know, uh, summarize it in a sense, but maybe you can give us some of your highlights of of you know, the starting of this 2012 social circle journey where you were staying in model houses where, you know, what does that even mean? Like, what, what does that exactly sure. look like? What does that mean? <laughs> How did you really get into it? I guess you said you met this guy, but maybe we can hear some kind of lessons and you can kind of give us some highlights of the ups, the downs, the, the, the reality of it, the fun stuff from beginning to end. It'd be really interesting to hear that. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so basically, right around that time, 2012, 2013, we were basically looking for a way to have the act, the access to you know beautiful women, the models, the those sorts of girls, without having to drop serious cash. Because obviously, anyone can go to a club and spend a gazillion dollars and you know try to get your way in, foot in the door that way. But that's a really dumb strategy. So. We partnered up with a promoter who had a business in New York, LA, and Miami. And basically, clubs would pay him to bring girls. And they'd typically pay 50 to 100 bucks a head. They'd give him a table next to the DJ or right by the entrance. So when you walk into a club, the first thing you would see is one of these model tables, which is essentially a promoter, maybe a buddy or his sub promoter, and then eight to 12 smoking hot girls. And as a, you know, as a normal guy who doesn't understand, you know, the, the nightclub industry, certainly I didn't at the time, you walk in, you're like, wow, there's so many amazing girls here and there's barely any guys. Let me spend all my money and buy bottles and do this. But it's all the smoke and mirrors. And essentially we're like, okay, how do we get access to this without paying for it? So at the time we had some vacation rentals. We were kind of doing the Airbnb vacation rental arbitrage hack, which is just a fancy way of saying we were renting places and subletting them on Airbnb. This is, you know, 2012, 2013, Airbnb was just kind of like coming on board, um, becoming like a household name. And it was really easy. We rented an apartment in New York. Our rent was 10K a month and we were making 30K a month on Airbnb from it. Now, of course, times have changed. It's not quite as easy to do that. But the reason I bring that up is because we had a lot of apartments all around LA, Miami, and New York. And when we met this guy, he was like, listen, I have models. It's a pain in the ass for me to wrangle all of these girls and get them to show up to the club because, you know, they're flaky, they're they're hot girls, right? Other things get in the way and, and they just don't show up. So his idea was like, I want to open a, a model house, which is essentially uh, rent a house, a bunch of bedrooms, throw a ton of bunk beds in there, offer models who are... European or just new to New York or Miami or LA, free housing. And in exchange for the free housing, they would be required to come out a certain number of nights to the to the clubs. 
right? Like four nights a week, for example. So the girls would live for free. They'd go to their shoots and their castings during the day and they would party at night. And then he'd make money from the girls showing up to the club. Uh, He'd also make money from clients coming and adding bottles to their table. And he'd get a percentage of that. And he needed housing for these models. And we're like, well, we have housing for you. (laughs) So we- hold on, I want to back up. I want to back up. Where did these models come from? Like, how did you get connected or how did this guy get connected to these models to live in these houses? Like, how did that go down? So promoters, you know, he was, he was just a nightclub promoter and basically their job promoters are very similar to kind of like pickup guys. They run around, but they're more strategic about where they go. They hang out in front of casting agencies or they go on model mayhem instead of Tinder different modeling sites, and they basically, you know, they use their social skills to befriend girls and try to get them to come and party. Because obviously girls who are new to the city or just girls, young girls want to party, right? And promoters, all they do, they don't hit on the girls, but they're very charming typically. They have a lot of game. And they say, hey, come out. I've got a bunch of girls. You can drink for free, party with me. It's very similar to, to approaching, if that makes sense. And they have value, right? It's like, hey, you're going to be able to stay at this at this club at this table for free. Exactly. Come bring your friends, party, come to dinner before. A lot of the restaurants will offer free or very cheap dinners to beautiful girls. Like there's this thing called Beauty Pass, which is all over Europe, where if you're a beautiful girl, you sign up for Beauty Pass and you get like up to 30 bucks or 40 bucks free at a restaurant. You just show up and... You present your card and they they hook you up with free food. They do this in the U.S. too. I just don't know what it's called there. So, you know, the promoter would be like, hey, come to dinner. It's free. Bring your friends. And then we'll go to the hottest club and we'll party all night for free. And obviously, you know, girls bring girls and it, it, it very quickly builds. And one of the things that the promoters do a really good job of is uh, they don't shit where they eat for, sorry if I'm being crass. Am I allowed to swear on here? Yes, you are. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> cool. So they don't try to, to hook up with the girls immediately. They kind of friend zone themselves, but they have so much social proof from being surrounded by all these beautiful women. It's the, the entire like roles are reversed. All these girls are trying to bang the promoters while they're you know, essentially trying to run a business. And if they're smart, if they're good promoters, they'll wait a long time to dip their pen in the company ink. Because once they do, obviously that can create drama. So, so this guy, for example, he was a really, really good promoter. And he had so many girls. It was just ridiculous to the point where he was like, okay, I have so many girls, but I'm sick of dealing with these flakes. If I can find housing for them, it's so much easier to get them to the club. I, they're, they're in the house. I know where they are. I can have an Uber come and pick them all up and whisk, whisk them away to the club. And my life is easy because his biggest challenge was communicating with all these girls and getting them to show up, if that makes sense. Well, it's interesting. I, I'm trying to see this from a business standpoint. A house can only have so many girls. I mean, let's just say even if it's a mansion and it can hold 20 women, which is quite a bit. Even that, I mean... Is that enough? Is that all he needed to bring to the club to make his money? Like, is that is that it? Yeah. Well, girl? well, so for example, they had a place in New York. It was a four-bedroom, and they had four bunk beds in each room. So that's 16 girls in a four-bedroom apartment in New York. So it's, this isn't like luxury living <laughs> by any stretch, right? And these places are filled with like girls who <laughs> aren't the, the most cleanly. 
but they're living for free. So what, you know, what do they expect? It's not like he's required to, uh, <laughs> to put them up in really nice accommodations. They had this uh, compound that we called it in Hollywood that had like, I think 13 rooms and he had about 30 girls living there most of the time. And the turnover is ridiculous. Like basically the entire house would typically turn over every six months because girls come in, um, you know, and these aren't like Victoria's Secret models. These are just hot chicks that want to make it in Hollywood or make it in New York. And they quickly learn that, you know, it's not as easy as it looks <laughs> and they end up spending more time partying and, and going out and they miss their castings. And then they typically have to either quit modeling, get a real job or fly back to wherever they came from. So it's a very transient business, but he can only bring, you know, a maximum of like 20 girls out to a club any night, right? And for that, he's going to make 50 bucks or a hundred bucks a head. So that's a nice chunk of change. Plus the, the commission on the bottles that people buy that want to party with him and all of his girls. Got it. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Keep going. So he needed housing. We had housing. And in exchange, he also needed money uh, because promoters are typically, if if they're good, they don't party and they don't fuck the girls. But of course, who wants to hang out at a nightclub with free alcohol and not party and not hook up with the girls? So this is kind of the downfall of the business. And this is why the business sucks. <laughs> it looks good on paper, but it sucks in reality because it's just, it's a lifestyle business that is way too tempting. So most of these guys get into it um, they have a lot of fun, they party, they do too many drugs, they have a lot of sex, and then they realize, all right, this isn't really sustainable. Then they go to AA and they quit. So we've seen this happen <laughs> year in and year out. Um, oh, and there's a really interesting um, Instagram account called Super Slutty Snake. Uh, Super Slutty Snake, if you follow that account, it kind of gives like a, a satiristic view of this whole world. Like basically this guy, I don't, no one knows who he is, but he's in the promoter game and he's been there for a long time. He does an amazing job of just kind of making fun of the whole, the, the whole like lifestyle of it. So if you want to learn about it, I definitely recommend anyone listening to check that out. Super slutty snake. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we had the housing and in exchange for the housing, we also loaned him 10 grand and, uh, he, he actually paid us back, but in exchange for the loan and in exchange for him renting some of our places from us, and we didn't give him the housing. He just needed cash because they were burning through money on Ubers and this and that and the other. And, you know, the club doesn't pay all the time. It's tough to get the money. It's just a, <laughs> it's a brutal business. So they needed the cash. It sounds really hard, actually. Yeah, oh, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> well, how much money are you making, too? Like, how much money was he raking in i mean i mean they're doing four nights a week at the club right let's say 10 girls at 50 bucks a pop plus a bottle they're making a thousand a night right so that's four thousand a week 16k a month but then they've got to pay rent and they've got all of the transportation costs for the ubers keeping the house stocked with you know booze and stuff for after parties i'm sure they're spending a lot of money on drugs and other sorts of nonsense like that and then people stealing money clubs not paying girls flaking girls causing drama one girl lit one of the houses on fire uh burned the place down oh my <laughs> god <shit> like that. <laughs> so um you know it's it seems- low six figures yeah for a pretty stressful job but you're also surrounded by uh a lot of beautiful women, I guess. So that's yeah. one of the benefits of, I guess, doing that. They're, I mean, the lifestyle these guys are living is 
is really unfathomable until you experience it. I mean, they're, they're, they have the option to have, you know, threesomes, orgies, whatever, almost every night of the week because they're essentially, they're celebrities, you know, to these girls. Um, they're like the lifeline of the girls that there's the social proof is unreal. You know, they're, you're two guys at the table with seven or eight girls and they all want attention and you're not giving it to them. And it gives you the, that same sort of experience if you are Leonardo DiCaprio. So these guys, you know, they're making a little bit of money, but they're living the fast life. They're, you know, having the craziest sexual time that any guy could hope for. And they're pretty, you know, they're pretty happy and content with that for a couple years, typically, until they have to go to rehab. <laughs> right. And also, it's just, it's not sustainable. Yeah. I mean, it's not sustainable to do that lifestyle for probably more than, I don't know, five years. You just get burnt out. Totally. Yeah. The only guys that I, I know, two promoters since 2012 who are still in the game, and they don't drink at all. They don't do drugs at all. And they have monogamous girlfriends, even though they're surrounded by all this opportunity and, and all of this crazy party, they managed to avoid it, which is really hard, of course. But those are the only guys who are successful. Yeah. Well, because they're treating it more like a business and less of a lifestyle, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So we, um, we, we brokered a deal with, with this promoter. You know, we rented a few of our apartments to him and allowed him to turn those into model homes. And we took a little bit of a, a cash hit on that, obviously, because we weren't renting them on Airbnb for as much money. In exchange for we got to show up to the club anytime they were there and join their table and drink for free. So you know, um, my business partner and I, we were really interested in not dropping a lot of money on bottles and, and continuing to have this crazy lifestyle. He was doing it prior to that with poker, uh, running private poker games and girls would come and, and they would, uh, you know, be cocktail waitresses. So it was a a sort of similar scenario where he kind of had the same access to lifestyle, but the, after a while, the poker thing didn't make sense. Um, and it was also a good fit for the training we were offering at inner confidence, you know, for our real advanced clients, we offered opportunities to basically come and hang out with these models and, and kind of test your skills out with the most beautiful women in this environment. And so for me, it was, it was really interesting. So once I started hanging out at these, at these tables, all of the stuff I learned game-wise didn't work. So the, I remember the first time going out, you know, I joined the, joined the table. I didn't know any of the girls, but it was me, the promoter, one other guy, and then I think there was eight or nine girls there. So of course I started trying to flirt with the girls and trying to make conversation and, you know, build attraction, build rapport, all the blah, 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 right? <laughs> and um, the girls were just like not giving me any love, just kind of, you know, giving me like the cold shoulder a little bit or I was trying to force conversation. It just wasn't really working. I was like, what's going on? These girls are, why, why don't they want to talk to me? Like we're at the same table. I'm socially proofed. I'm hanging out with, with their friends. What's going on? And it took me like four or five times to to kind of see what I was doing differently from the promoters and from the other guys that were friends with the promoters. And none of these guys were paying any attention to the girls. Uh, They were basically just hanging out, having a good time, partying with their friends, but they had a lot of social proof. So some of the girls liked them, but they never paid attention to any of the new girls. And those girls would then vie for the attention of these guys and once those kind of roles were reversed, like once the girls started chasing them, 
then it like the floodgates opened. So basically I was still in chase mode, even though I was surrounded by abundance. And when I stopped chasing for, you know, that might be a little vague, but I can, I, I think people probably get it right. Once I stopped chasing, that's really what turned everything around. And that was a huge, just kind of mental shift for me. And I applied that to kind of all areas of, of attraction and meeting women and the abundance that came from that and just the, the whatever you want to call it, the sex, the sexual fruit or accolades that came from that, it was a radical departure from anything I'd ever experienced before. And, and I was, you know, I was already kind of crushing it for, for like a normal single guy prior to that. So I'm curious what that looks like. So you're saying that you stopped chasing... So were you just existing? Like you're just <laughs> it's you funny. Have so, a table with all these took, girls, just literally ignoring them. It um, took me, yeah. This is it's so, I'm glad you asked because uh yeah. this is kind of what I, what what I would have to kind of explain to clients who would come or uh, they're like, so if you don't talk to them, what do you do? And I'm like, well, first you have to kind of <laughs> learn to have fun in a new way. Um, and so instead of like being thirsty and trying to connect with the girls, essentially you, you know, get a little drunk, do some shots, throwing ice at people is a really good thing to do. Uh, just stupid little flirty things. Um, <laughs> like I don't even know how to describe it, but you, you essentially talk to your buddies or you talk to the girls, you know, you ignore the ones that are kind of too cool for school or on their phone because a lot of these girls, like, they have huge egos and they're very narcissistic, of course. But the second you don't give them the validation and the attention that they're expecting, they start to chase you. So you don't have to do that for very long. It's not like you're sitting there for, like, 20 minutes ignoring people, right? This can happen within three minutes because they expect every guy to come and immediately start gaming them or, you know, interacting with them, investing in their attention. And when you don't, and they see you, you're friends with the other guys and you're cool and you're just kind of hanging out and, you know, you're, you're giving them flirty glances, but you're not trying to initiate a conversation. They get, they get intrigued very quickly. Okay. Got it. So you're just hanging out at the table. You're not flirting. Are you, are you literally not saying a word to these women? You say what's up, right? If, if like you're reading them very quickly, like if, if they're on their phone and they they look like they're having a shitty time, which a lot of girls in nightclubs will, especially if they're essentially kind of being paid to be there. That's what you'll yeah. see a lot at these promoter tables is these girls kind of have to be there because that's how they get the free housing, or you know they're they've been like they spent too much time in nightclubs and are no longer having fun versus the girls sure. who are new to it they're they're loving life right and they're going to be flirty and they're going to love you and they're going to immediately give you vibes so basically you just vibe with people that are vibing with you and you very quickly learn to recognize okay this girl is very standoffish don't even give her the time of day don't even introduce yourself like pretend she doesn't exist and those are the girls that typically start chasing you the hardest cuz then you know they they're like whoa this guy's different from everyone else because girls of, of that level of beauty, they get so much male attention and they're so kind of like sick of it when it comes in huge volume in that sort of environment, right? That they're kind of just looking for anyone that can be cool and chill and not, not be suck, suck their dick for a lack of <laughs> to be crass again, right? It's like, oh, this guy's not like totally thirsty. Oh, huh, he must be awesome. He must be cool. 
So they're very, very good at weeding out, you know, prospective suitors, you could say. Gotcha. Okay. So you finally grasped onto this concept and you're going out. Was it like night and day, meaning like you just like the switch turned on all of a sudden when you started to do that? Like, was it just like, well, prior to doing that, it up and boom. Yeah. So change it up and boom, girls, you know, go to the after party. I was getting vibes at the table from, you know, multiple different girls. You go back to the after party. There's always an after party somewhere, right? With with that sort of crew, because everyone's inviting you to Hollywood Hills mansions, right? Because it's like you have girls, you're invited to the after party. You don't, you're not invited. It's, it's very simple. But there's always crazy after parties, and you're kind of managing multiple girls who are all showing you love, and deciding, you know, which one you want to potentially hook up with at the end of the night, or maybe you want to hook up with a few of them and have a threesome or whatever or you and your buddy are conspiring to create a little, an orgy or something like that. And you get really good at kind of just like being the hot chick and, and waiting until kind of towards the end of the night to, all right, I'll, I'll hook up with you or I'll hook up with you or whatever. Whereas it was such a paradigm shift from what I was doing before, which is going out, approaching a ton of girls, mostly during the day, obviously going out at night too, and then going on dates, right? I had a, you know, I had like a, a rotation of girls I was casually dating for a couple years when I was really kind of serious about approaching and dating. And I was living in, I was splitting my time between LA and New York and going out day gaming and, you know, getting tons of numbers and then going on sometimes two dates a night. You know, I was, I typically had a rotation of between three and eight girls at any given time. Um, but those relationships would last like three to six months when, one of us would get sick of the other or they would get sick of me not wanting to commit to something you know more monogamous and so i was i was always i was kind of playing this dating game whereas once i started doing the social circle stuff and hanging out at these tables it was just like there was no dating it was just hang at the table get fucked up go to an after party hook up you know she's hooked up with basically you know a few of the other guys there and you know all the girls it's, it's, it's kind of like a weird high school situation <laughs> that you go back to or a Beverly Hills 90210 situation where everyone kind of hooks up with everyone and no one's really jealous because that's just kind of what happens and some people date and those relationships don't really last because you're in such a crazy toxic party environment and so it just becomes this crazy hookup culture where anything and everything goes there's no like there's not a lot of jealousy. There's obviously uh, these people are very sexually liberated. So there's not a lot of stigma on girls being good girls or anything like that. It's just like, these are party people. And, and it just turned into this wild, like just go out, hang out and have a crazy night, almost any night I wanted to, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm, as I'm kind of analyzing this in my head too, in what you're saying, what you created is a very safe environment for these women. Yeah. You know, physically and emotionally. At least that's what I'm interpreting from this. It's like, yeah, they can just be free to hook up with whoever they want to because women want sex just as much as guys, but now they know they're not going to get scolded for it because everyone's kind of friends. You know, they know that they're kind of like protected by you guys because you're also friends. You're not just some random person that's making them feel like a slut. In fact, it just makes them feel probably a little bit more liberated. I don't know. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, really good read on that by you. Cause, um, that's, that's totally right. And it's very like for other guys to break into that social circle, it's almost impossible. So they're really, really protected and no one judges them, right? Everyone who's in the environment is really cool. There's a crazy girl to guy ratio of almost three to one at any sort of event or party. So if there's a weird guy, like he gets spotted very quickly and asked to leave. And the the interesting thing is for a lot of these promoters, it's so hard for them to find guys who can hang in that environment and who can carry themselves without getting too thirsty, without being weird, without being judgmental. So it's, it's, I tell guys all the time, I tell my clients, like, it's almost easier for you to break into this scene if you have some resources and you have some time and you and you want to live this crazy life because guys it's so hard for guys to find good solid wingmen at this level if that makes sense right no it makes perfect sense and it's just yeah there's just a lot of guys out there who are doing it wrong could be easily be creepy you know yep but if you're learning this stuff properly then hopefully you're charismatic enough to be able to hang in a situation like this. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I certainly, thanks to, you know, all my former (laughs) training before I got into it, that's what allowed me to, to obviously feel kind of comfortable in that environment. And at the time I was like, what kind of, when I got into it, I started dating one girl and we had like gazillion threesomes together, started going to sex parties, orgies, swingers parties. And that was kind of the only way to have a relationship in that sort of lifestyle because there was just too many options on the table. But you quickly learn how to carry yourself around beautiful women. And the opposite happens in those environments. When women are really comfortable in environments and the, the ratio is controlled and, and the creepy guys aren't allowed in, women do the approaching. Women do like all the initiating for sex. As a guy, you just kind of hang out. So it's like that Hugh Hefner effect or the Dan Blazarian effect. Like those guys don't do anything. They just hang out and they're so socially proofed and they're, uh, I forget the other word, but like pre-selected, right? That they're the ones basically just deciding, okay, well, I guess I'll hook up with her or have a threesome with them. They seem cool. They don't seem like too much drama. All right, cool. Let's do that, right? There's zero chasing involved. You're just basically the chooser. Right, right, yeah. Makes sense. So now you're in this situation because I remember you told me another another conversation we had is you ended up moving to Europe. So what's the timeline for you now where you're doing all this in these houses in New York and LA? What kind of happened after that? Yeah, so it was about two and a half, three years um, splitting my time between LA, New York, Miami quite a bit because we had model houses in all three of those markets. And then we do all sorts of trips, like we do Hamptons trips a couple times every summer, bring all the girls out, have friends come, you know, we'd all split a villa and throw down for, you know, booze and food and everything for a weekend and just have really awesome parties. I'd invite my most advanced clients, these sort of things. Um, and every summer I was spending, uh, I would do a, a European trip with my clients. And, and I kept, every time I'd go to Europe, and this was like a 10-day traveling boot camp, basically. And every time... So when I started, I started bringing some of the models, because uh, I actually started these trips back in like 2009, even before I got into it. But once I built my social circle of models, I would do the trips and I'd bring a few models along. And that would really... you know, So we'd have 
myself, three or four models plus eight to 10 guys, right? Who are joining us. The models like having hot girls just makes it so much easier to meet other hot girls versus if you're rolling with, you know, nine dudes deep, <laughs> you know, it's not the, it's not the best look, but Europe in general, there's the women tend to be in much better shape because they don't have all the shitty food and the eating habits that we have in the U S with the huge portions. Then obviously the further East you go, well, not obviously, this is something I just figured out from a lot of traveling, but the further East you go, the more beautiful the women get. So I started going, I started going to Budapest. I was like blown away by Budapest. And then I went to Croatia. I was blown away by that. And then everyone's like, you got to go to Ukraine, man. You got to go to Ukraine. So I went to Ukraine and it was just, it's insane. You walk down the street in Ukraine and it's like you're, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. It's guys when they come here for the first time, they're just really knocked, their socks are knocked off because they're like, there's like triple the amount of beautiful girls that you see. And just the reason why that is, there's a ratio gap for every, don't quote me on this, this, this data could be old, but for every like 100 men, there's like 105 women in some of the capitals in those former Soviet countries, you know, Slavic world. And with that ratio, combined with the fact that most of the guys are working more blue-collar jobs out of the cities where the women tend to be working in the service industry, that's even more skewed. So I, I came to Europe, I was hanging out in Kiev, meeting women during the day, going out at night, and just like, this is nuts over here. The, I mean, the, <laughs> the ratio is, is so much better. I was like, I, shit, I should just move to Europe. However, I had such a nice social circle built. Um, it didn't really make sense for the rest of the year. It was fun in the summer. It was a cool trip. But then I met a dude during my travels in Ukraine who was basically running. He, was, he had the rights to shoot the Playboy calendar for Ukraine. And we met at a party um, through a mutual friend and I was kind of telling him about my lifestyle and the model houses and all this. And he's like, he was like, wow, I didn't realize anyone in the US was kind of uh, doing this similar sort of thing that I was, that he was doing. And what he was doing was, was even more ridiculous. So basically he, he owned the, the rights to uh, playboycalendarcasting.com and girls would submit to be in the Playboy calendar and they would need to shoot the Playboy calendar or the magazine on a beautiful location. So he would kind of organize trips on a yacht in the Maldives or in a villa in Bali or somewhere in the south of France or, you know, in the Mediterranean. And he was kind of, you know, he was having these photo shoots, which were week-long parties. And he would invite his friends, but his friends were typically too broke to, uh, to really participate. And when I met him, I'm like, hey, I've got a lot of guys who would probably be interested in coming on these trips and, you know, helping to share the costs of some of these parties, you know, like, let's, let's see if we can put on a trip. So we, uh, we did a trip to the Maldives. I invited a few other guys I know that were actually also in the, the dating coaching industry. <laughs> and uh, we had the most crazy week of our lives. We had 18 Playboy models, six guys on a 150-foot yacht um, for seven days in the Maldives. And nonsense ensued. You know, They were doing photo shoots during the day, partying all night. It was just ridiculous. 
And the guys obviously wanted to come back and go on more trips and they told their friends and some of their friends. So I started kind of, I kind of became like a promoter with this guy for these trips. (laughs) And um, we ran these for about a year until we kind of ran into the same problem that the normal promoters ran into, which is we're having a lot of fun, but the market's too small. We're not making enough money and it's a really unhealthy lifestyle. So 2018, I think I did like 12 trips, which were all a week long. So I spent, I don't know, probably 25% of the year, like in a party. (laughs) Most of these parties were, you know, sex filled, drug filled orgies, basically. So it was really unhealthy. (laughs) Hedonism to the ultimate. Oh, totally. I mean, just, (laughs) um, I was dating, uh, like, I don't know, to brag a little, I I was dating, uh, one of the girls I was dating was like an Instagram model with like 3 million followers. And like, was that, it was just nonsense. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but my coaching business went from very profitable to almost solvent. (laughs) My real estate business went (laughs) from very profitable to like, uh, or insolvent, sorry, from very profitable to less profitable. And like, I gained a bunch of weight and <laughs> did too many drugs. It was, it was crazy, but it was also uh, like too much. <laughs> so, and the business, the business doing these trips uh, obviously wasn't successful. So, but in that year, I crossed everything off the sexual bucket list that I think anyone could possibly check off. Like it was just, and, and I already had a crazy kind of checklist from the years of doing the model houses, but this was just on another level, stupid, you know, this a ratio, like better than a three to one ratio at every party with hot Eastern European playboy models. It was just, it was just ridiculous. I don't know how else to describe it, but <laughs> I'll shut up now. So, I mean, no, no, this is all very interesting and, and it's a fantasy um, for most guys and I, most guys can't achieve it. I've never had anything like this before. You know, you, you really have to know the right people that you have to invest the right amount of time into something like this. And obviously you got to give up some things to, to have other things, as you said. I'm just curious from all of this, what kind of wisdom do you share with guys? Like, you know, probably any guy listening to this episode right now is not going to be able to do this, not because they're not capable, but because it's not necessarily realistic. Like I said, you have to know the right people. And so it's kind of like a little bit of a form of luck there. And you have to give up whatever you're doing right now to have this lifestyle. So while it might not be easy for someone listening to obtain, do you have any thoughts on on how someone can... I don't know, enjoy a lifestyle like this or maybe something that, I mean, you already shared kind of some wisdom in terms of, you know, not getting girls to chase you. That's good for, for the social circle stuff, but anything else you can share for guys that they can take away and use in their own life. Like I said, it, it yeah. might be hard for them to get to that level, but I'm sure you have some good things to say for guys who can do something with what you've learned and what you've experienced. Sure. Yeah. So th- the first part, I, I think anyone can achieve it if you have, if, if you have the drive. Like I just had the drive, and I surrounded myself with people that had the drive. And uh, <laughs> later, you know, everyone accused me of being a sex addict and this and that. And and I've I've diagnosed myself as a female validation addict. 
which I think a lot of guys who get into pickup and dating, you could say everyone's of, of, you know, a validation addict for the opposite sex, but I was like on another level. I made that. You can say addiction come is a problem if it if you're making other decisions in your life based on that thing, right? So I basically created everything in my life to get a ton of female validation, which obviously, you know, sex is a result of that and other things. But that was like my number one priority in life was have fun, meet girls. And it was really to meet like my soulmate, which was, I'll get into that in a second. But that was kind of that, like the root dream of all of this. And my mentality was like, okay, if I surround myself with the hottest girls, then obviously they kind of check off that attractive box. And if I'm having tons of fun and hook up with enough girls, eventually maybe I'll get sick of that. And one, and one of these girls will emerge as my perfect 10 soulmate, <laughs> right? That was my line of thinking, if that makes sense. But in the meantime, I was having so much fun doing it that I lost sight of that a little bit. So I think anyone could do it if they, if they want to put the time and invest in, in the process. And you know, if you have that crazy sexual drive and, and you go into it with the awareness that, you know, uh, obviously it's going to take a toll maybe on some of the other areas of your life, you can really do it. You can, you can have fun and, and make it happen. I've seen quite a few guys do it. And my biggest takeaways from the whole experience came in the form of like really learning what sort of women to watch out for and seeing like, <sighs> I got into so many for lack of a better word, toxic relationships. And I started to see all of the crazy... Women who were highly sexualized, you know, models, strippers, porn stars, um, because porn stars were coming on some of these trips. Like women who are highly sexualized are really, really good at using sex to get what they want. And obviously when you're doing that, you're objectifying men. And I was obviously objectifying women. But I kept running into like these relationships where they were so amazing and unbelievable in the beginning. Like I was like, oh my God, this is the hottest girl I've ever been with. She's so fun. She's so cool. And then two months later being like, oh my God, this is, I'm the most miserable I've ever been. She just like train wrecked me emotionally. So, uh, you know, when you're running in these sort of circles, you're meeting some of the most narcissistic and fucked up, highly sexualized people out there. So my advice for anyone who you know finds themselves in that lifestyle, whether that be through a celebrity status or becoming like a, a rock star or whatever, right? You're going to find yourself in that company, and it really fucks up a lot of guys. I've seen so many guys just get into terrible relationships or marriages and just get totally eaten alive by women who are really dangerous. And I'm not trying to point the finger at women. Obviously, there's super narcissistic guys out there too. But what I realized was I was kind of this like, you know, dorky, uh, codependent nerd when I got into pickup and transitioned into almost like this fake narcissistic promoter fuckboy, <laughs> which was allowing me to hook up and date really hot girls. But a lot of these really hot girls were really damaged. And so... I went through a series of really fucked up relationships that left me kind of like shaking my head, like, what the hell am I doing? You know, this lifestyle is, is kind of like, because I, I was going in, I was looking for a soulmate in this, <laughs> in this world, which is absolutely kind of Not crazy. Happen. 
Exactly. But I was, I was too like, you know, I couldn't see the forest from the trees. Right. Right. Okay. So where are you now? So at the end of 2018, I was after that year, I had checked off everything, like I said, on the bucket list, but I think I was more kind of depressed than I was, than I'd ever felt because of these relationships, because I was like, what, what is going on? Why? Like, I just, I've fucked enough girls. I've had enough crazy times. I just want to find a nice girl. But I was like, just so mentally in an unhealthy place, looking for kind of missing all the red flags that I needed to, for a lack of a better word, I know it might sound cheesy. I need to start loving myself. So I got really into meditation and I spent a ton of time alone. And instead of searching for this validation from women and trying to fuck my way to happiness, I was like, all right, how can I just kind of enjoy Robbie and, you know, start creating healthy habits in my life, get back to working, get back to working out. And because essentially all of my healthy habits and all of my like day-to-day normal kind of scheduling was out the window that year. Like I, I, I had built up enough capital and some sustainable businesses with the with coaching and with uh, real estate where I was kind of just like earning off my passive income and the money that was coming in from trips and a little bit of coaching for guys that were coming on the trips, but everything was just kind of in pieces. So I spent the next year, I read a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, which I highly recommend. And uh, that was like, all right, I need to install some healthy habits. So those were meditation, working out. And it, and it was like, I just kind of got, it's almost like I went back to like a nine to five without having a nine to five. And I've been doing that since and built up my business again. And I've got a nice little real estate empire going over here in Kiev where I've been living and starting to meet (laughs) women who aren't living this crazy fast party lifestyle and realizing like searching for a woman in those environments to have fun is great, but as like a long-term partner is really, really dangerous. Got it. Damn. This is like this is like the game on steroids. Yeah, it's like you know the Neil Strauss book. It's like you, you. It's just yeah, you you live the crazy life, and then you you found it was fun. I'm sure you don't regret it because you know it's all part of the journey and brought you here, and plus you had a great time. But now you're just I don't know. You seem like at peace in a way. Like you're not searching, like you said, searching for anything. Like it's all just here. Yeah, I feel very at peace. And uh, how long did that take to get to that point? Like to get back to to normal, so to speak. Yeah, it took about a year. Yeah, it 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 took about a year. A lot of meditation. I mean, obviously, I was still hooking up and having fun, and I had you know, I still have a ridiculous social circle just from all the trips and the girls and friends and blah blah blah. But just changing my mindset from like you know, searching for this perfect girl to make my life complete to like, you know what, Robbie, you know, just, just work on things that are good for you for the long term. Don't focus only on tomorrow, you know, stop looking for girls in these crazy environments. And then, you know, there's diamonds in the rough, of course, but, you know, build sustainable habits. Like that was the big kind of linchpin for me. And it took about a year of doing that. To, to kind of get to this place of peace that I feel like I'm in now. And uh, 
Yeah. So I, um, I definitely don't regret it at all. Had a ton of fun. And I, and if guys out there have the the drive and they really want to have and live that life, like you can do it. You don't have to do it as crazily as I did. You know, you can certainly do like the light version of it <laughs> or, or even do it on a, on a less like insane basis. Like instead of going to, you know, a party every other week, you could, you know, go to a party once every quarter and, you know, have a great time or a lot of the same sort of people roll in a lot of the festivals like Burning Man and the Burning Man regional events. You can kind of find that same vibe of people who are professional, who are doing this on a more consistent basis. But yeah, that, that lifestyle is, is certainly out there. Got it. Well, Robbie, that was uh, quite the story. I'm glad that I got to hear it kind of like live on the podcast. So it was as if I'm listening to this for the first time. And, you know, like, like I just said earlier, we just reconnected. So it was just interesting to hear all this. I was totally sucked in. And, uh, and yeah, it was just entertaining and some good lessons here. And uh, I'm just glad that you're able to share it with us and be very honest and real and, you know, humble about it, but also just real about the, you know, there was some good stuff, there was some bad stuff. And, and it was just great to hear about it and, and just reconnect with you. So thanks for doing it. Yeah, Trip, it's it's been awesome, and thanks for uh, you, you asked some really good questions in there too. That really got me thinking. So <laughs> I've uh, yeah. gotten a lot out of the uh, the call, man, and great to reconnect. And it's always fun to to share my story, of course. Awesome, awesome. Well, why don't you tell the guys who are listening right now if they want to learn about anything more about confidence or things like that, where they can go to to work with you. Sure. Um, if you go to innerconfidence.com, I-N-N-E-R, confidence.com, you can uh, find all about me and trainings and everything else I offer. Um, or hit me up on Instagram. It's just Robbie underscore Kramer, R-O-B-B-I-E underscore K-R-A-M-E-R. And uh, you can see a lot of the Insano pictures and some of the stuff from the past as well. So, yeah, cool. come I'm find sure me. Say hi. A lot of guys going there for sure. <laughs> awesome. All right, man. Thanks so much again. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Trip. Great to be on. 